It's time to put podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! recap podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. And this week, we are not talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> again. Yet again, we are not weekly and not a Yu-Gi-Oh! recap podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be us if that weren't the case. Uh, Truly, this week... man is full of contradictions, as is our <laughs> podcast. Many things can be true simultaneously. Uh, this week, we are talking about Dragon Pilot, Hisone, and Masatan, the Netflix original anime about dragons that are real. As the, opposed to dragons that are fake, like right. in Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, I, I don't know how much of the show you ended up watching. I watched the first two episodes, okay, as you okay. suggested. Cool, good. Uh, I, I was originally thinking like, oh, we could just watch the first one, but then I know that we're not ever going to come back to this. So uh, I will talk a bit about the whole series because I've watched it all the way through. It's only like 12 episodes, I think. Uh, yeah, 12 episodes. So it's not that like big of an ask for, say, if you've got like a free weekend and you want to watch an anime. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll state clearly at some point, hey, there are going to be spoilers past a certain point. We can just talk about the first two episodes before that. Sure. Um, before we get into it, though... Jimmy, it's been a while. Hi. It has been a while. Hello. It's been a bit. We took a little bit of a break. It's, you know, it is what it is. Like the, the these are extraordinary times. We're going <laughs> to we're going to have an extraordinary schedule. Yeah. But uh we've, we've both been wanting to do just take a little break. Yeah. Stretch our legs a bit. Oh, I did. I don't know about you. I no, I mean I you know me, man. I I stayed at home. <laughs> Uh, but I've been curious what you have been doing over the last, God, what has it been? Two weeks? Three weeks? Two weeks? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Two weeks. What what have, what have you been doing that's that's been making you happy lately? Well, uh, after fifteen years, Tyler, I finally got a gaming PC. Ooh! And so very excited for this. Now I can play all the huge backlog of games that I've wanted ever since I was a teenager and haven't been able to. Uh, because they wouldn't run on my parents' old Dell, and they certainly wouldn't run on uh, the computer that I'm currently using to record this podcast, my 2011 iMac. Yeah, when are you going to start? Uh, we talked about this a little bit before the recording, but when are you going to start recording on the good computer? <laughs> <laughs> um, just as soon as I get a new desk, probably. Okay. Oh, so it's just like on the ground. It's on the ground, and there's just a rat's nest of cables and wires just going every which way. And it's uh, just a total nightmare to try and, like, switch everything over to this computer because I don't have a new mouse or keyboard yet. And oh. so I just have to keep unplugging things and yeah. plugging them back in. So you've got, like, you're not going to be posting any, any photos of your sweet gaming setup anytime soon. No, saying. but I do want to point out that I got a cable that connects the motherboard to the like strip of RGB lights that came with it. Oh, hell yeah. And so I set it up to... There are a lot of things you can do with it, but I set it up to... Um, currently, it's running so that it lights up uh, green to red whenever the CPU is being overloaded. Oh. Like how much the CPU is working Uh it changes the color. And so I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2, which is the other thing that I got. It's my first actual good, beautiful modern game. And so out in the countryside, it likes, it's like super beautiful and green. And then the instant I walk into town or I have to load like 
a, a city full of like people, suddenly it starts flashing bright red. Like, oh no, oh my god! <laughs> and then after really a few is. seconds, it like calms down. It's like, whew! It really okay, will become Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> Emphasis on the red, right? That's cool though. I I'm really into that shit where like people use LEDs to like extend the edges of the screen. I'm really interested that? in figuring out how to do that. I think I I mean I know there's going to be an app for it, right? Like that's yeah. the saying for a reason, but like it's, it's like Philips Hue lights or something. Yeah, but it's this really interesting like you have to figure out where the LEDs are on the back of the screen and then like program, okay, this LED is going to correspond to like this set of pixels on my monitor. But the end result is a, really neat. I I think that's a really great idea just to have that sort of ambient colors in like in the back of the room i think yeah. it would add a lot right now it doesn't do much of anything well that's okay i mean it's it's like you said it's better than what you were working with before so yeah uh, everything's progress at this point <laughs> i can i can have a little bit of flashy lights as a treat <laughs> as a snack <laughs> <laughs> well nice okay cool so so red dead redemption yes i've been playing rootin tootin cowboy shooting two uh the, the two deuce. okay okay the second one yeah, I played the original back when I first got my Xbox 360, uh, back in whenever the hell that was. We were living together then too. That's right. I was. I was. Do you remember as that? I was wondering which Red Dead you were talking about, I remember that we did play the first one together. That was a good yeah. game. That was a very good game. And, and the second uh, is much the same. It builds on the first in a lot of ways, and it's just it's absolutely stunning to look at. Mm, okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of. But I've been I've been having a lot of fun with it. That's the point of getting a new computer, I think, is just to be able to look at, like, oh, look, graphics that are good. Wow, graphics that aren't, like, 1080p or even, like, 720p on my Xbox from 10 years ago. Right. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, and it's it's very fun. I've been just enjoying riding my horse around. My horse is zippy chippy. <laughs> he's not very good, and he's dumb as bricks, but I love him. <laughs> For anyone curious about Zippy Chippy, go listen to our other podcast, Lore Horse at lore.horse. Yeah, uh, our micro podcast that we've been releasing. I think that was episode two, Zippy Is Chippy. It good? Yeah. Uh, this week was TM Opera O. I believe next week is Staff Sergeant Reckless. <laughs> good old Staff Sergeant Reckless. It's good so far. It's good shit. Uh, I have been. I've been doing sort of the same, but sort of the opposite from you. I've also been playing a lot of video games because, like, eh, basically everything's still locked down here. Like, the pubs have opened up, but we don't really live near anything. And everything that we could feasibly get to, we don't really want to. <laughs> yeah, pubs are open up. But on the other hand, why would you? Right, exactly, exactly. So we've been staying in. Uh, Lauren's, you know, still working on her master's. I've just been, like, working. So I've been playing a lot of video games in my spare time. I bought the Command and Conquer remaster. Oh, awesome. Uh, and it's it's fantastic. The game is much more difficult than I remembered. I think as a kid, I was probably playing on easy mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I bought it solely just so I could watch Tim Curry yell, Space! <laughs> just Space! Over and over and over again. Uh, and it was worth that every penny. Yeah. You can tell that, like, as he's about to deliver that line, he's, like, barely containing himself from barely. laughing. Oh, he is just on the verge, and it is it is so juicy. Uh, there's a really good documentary about how they made the remaster. 
that Noclip did, uh, just youtube.com slash Noclip. It's up on, on YouTube. It's like a 30 or 40 minute documentary. And one of the things that they talk about is like remastering all of the FMV cutscenes into 4K and how really? like basically was not possible because of how little information they had to work with. Because it was <laughs> in, what, what like 320 by 480 or whatever yeah. garbage resolution. Uh, and it was just like, yeah. So Beautiful we had a 240p. They were like, yeah. So we had a lot of original footage, but it was shot on like microfilm. So it was like <laughs> as low a resolution as you could feasibly go, just for long term storage. Uh huh. And that was it. That was all they had to work from. Uh, so it's still like got that old school shitty quality charm, and you can set it to the old school graphics too, so you can like barely make out what any of the pixels mean. <laughs> That's fantastic. Incredible. I love it. Uh, How's the I, game itself, though? The game itself is good. Like I said, it's a lot more difficult than I remember. Um, it kind of just throws you into, here's Command and Conquer. Hope you remember how to play an RTS. Go! Go have fun. Um, I've been playing the, what is it called? The GDI. I forget what it stands for. Global Defense... Initiative? That sounds right. Um, I've been playing that campaign... It's fine. It's it's so so. What I I want to do, what I'm gonna do later this week is start over doing the Nod campaign, the Brotherhood of Nod, because they're like the not technically Nazis, but also not not Nazis. <laughs> but it's it's like um, Nazis, right? But but it's like it's like uh, Red Skull. Like you're playing yeah. as Red Skull basically, and sure. you you are getting the the uh what's it called type that flavor of bad guys yeah yeah where it's like i am just gonna be the shittiest bad guy <laughs> that there can be and like the the leader kane is like the occult leader um and that part of the campaign i remember being a lot of fun because you don't really care if your units die because you're like eh, they were <laughs> they were expendable i'm the villain it's we're fine. the bad guys here right um but playing as the gdi i'm like oh man i i let america down (laughs) (laughs) yeah i never played the original command and conquer game so the only one i've played in that series is command and conquer generals oh yeah generals it's like i it's a completely different setting it's like the modern day right and there's like china is one of the factions i guess yeah generals was like trying to be uh, it was trying to be something a, a lot different from what Command and Conquer is. Like Generals, yeah. I think was trying to be real warfare, like quote unquote real. Mm-hmm. Command and Conquer and uh, like Red Alert, Red Alert Two were the ones that I played the most. Those are like, what if World War Two didn't ever really end? And it That's sort the of one just with Soviet blimps, right? Yes. Yes. Is that also the one with parachuting bears? Yes. <laughs> That's the only thing I know about th- that particular game is that it has paratroop bears. I'll tell you, so one of my one of my favorite memories from playing that game is <laughs> in in Red Alert 2, there's a character named Yuri. He's one of the the Soviet characters. Uh, and there's an expansion called Yuri's Revenge and that gives you access to play as not just the Soviets but as like Yuri's sort of sect uh, mm-hmm. of of the of the army. 
Uh, and so you can, as one of the special units, you know, each team has a special unit that you can train and get on the map and, and use their special abilities. You could uh, deploy Yuri himself. And Yuri became this like cult leader because he has the ability of mind control. And so what he can do is just mind control these like civilian units that you'll see across the map because you're doing battle in cities and stuff. Uh, And he can sort of command up to X number of units to act for him. So normally you would get just one of a team's special unit. Mm. But in that game, you had cloning vats and cloning vats let you clone whatever unit you put in and it takes a while to get to this point but if you're playing on easy like i did as a kid you could just clone and clone and clone and clone until one day i was playing a game and i had an unstoppable army of like 50 yuris each of which (laughs) could command i don't know three or five i think other units and my base was near a school oh no so I had them go and mind control a fleet of school buses. Don't know how they were mind controlling the school buses. It's just how the game works. And I drove seatbelts, everyone. I drove a fleet Please of school let them buses. Be a normal field trip <laughs> with Yuri. No way. And I put in the school buses a bunch of exploding units. I forget. I forget what they were called, but there there was like a grenadier or something. So I just loaded up school buses with soviet bombs and drove them to the american space and was like aha surprise (laughs) uh and that was to my my i don't know 12 year old mind that was just the most fun that could be had in a video game uh now i look on it only do in rts games (laughs) exactly now i look on it i'm like oh i played as the soviets taking over school buses and filling them with bombs Ooh, yikes Ooh, ooh, yikes um so I'm not going to do that in this game. Counterpoint, LOL. <laughs> it was funny at the time, and it's a video game. So like, okay, yeah. fine. Um, but the thing that I like about Command & Conquer is they don't take like, oh, it's American exceptionalism, and we are going to storm the beaches. And, and like, they don't take that seriously. Everything in the game is like very tongue in cheek, and that's the part that I like about it because then I can still play a fun tactical game without having to be like, oh, if I move my British troops into this part of the region, what are the political ramifications? Like, meh, parachuting bears. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a fun thing about video games to me, is being able to do just crazy shit like that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I the other games I've been playing kind of have a similar theme to them. Like I've been playing, uh, I just got Paper Mario and the Origami King on How is Switch. That? I haven't seen any reviews. I love it. Is it a great game? Is it the best game that you could be paying money for right now? No. Uh, but I'm a big fan of Paper Mario. Is the thing like I've always loved the Paper Mario games, and it just scratches that Paper Mario itch of like here is a lightweight RPG that I don't have to think too much about. And I am just going to play for, I don't know, 30 minutes at a time and get my little scratch that little itch, you know, and, and mm-hmm. then be done. And it's great. It's great. I love it. And it's actually pretty funny. Like it's supposed to be a comedy game and it's actually pretty funny. That's so, good. so That's... if you like, if, if you liked like, um, like Luigi's mansion or, mm-hmm. 
like Mario and Luigi superstar saga. It's like that level of comedy. It's the obvious jokes. It's, it's you, a Mario game. Yeah. If you liked to use an example that I know uh, uh, you and I have played, Jimmy, if you liked uh, Mario... Fuck, what is the name of that? Mario... No. Rabbids? Yeah. What's what's the full name of that game? Mario Rabbids Plus Rabbids? Kingdom. Yeah, Kingdom Battle. Yeah, Mario Plus Rabbids colon Kingdom Battle. <laughs> if you liked the writing in that game, you will love... Uh, uh, Paper Mario and the Origami King. Uh, and the animation is just great. I, I tweeted a, a picture just a little bit ago uh, that's got some of the water effects in the game. And you have like parts, everything's made out of paper in the world, right? Paper Mario. Mm-hmm. And you have parts where the water is origami water. And that looks pretty cool. But uh, you have other parts. I'm actually going to make sure I tweeted it just in case you're looking it up. Uh, you have other parts where there is like real water in the world and it looks so good and it may just be because i'm like used to the paper water but i'm looking uh-huh. at this and i'm like damn th- this has no right looking this good like what is actually happening here Nintendo's um, always been very good at making good looking water i remember that was one of the best looking parts of super mario sunshine was the water effects yes. and how beautiful and refreshing it all looked and I'm I'm incredibly excited for the prospect of having Super Mario Sunshine on the Switch for that exact that, reason. I'm excited for that. I so anyway, so Mario games are great. Uh, I've also been playing. This also has water, but the water doesn't look as good. I'm still playing Horizon Skate. Uh, I have decided I'm going to get into the modding community on Horizon Skate because that is now on Steam Workshop. Now that you have a PC, Jimmy, oh, yeah. you should start playing this. Uh, I've put like 60 hours into Horizons Gate. I still haven't beaten it. Um, I'm not sad about that. It's just kind of how I spent my weekends now is just like oh slowly sailing around. <laughs> Please but, don't recommend me any new games. I, I'm coming up against my massive Steam backlog of like a decade. That's, I mean, that's what you get now that you got a gaming PC, you know? Now that's what I get. But, but Horizons Gate is really great. Uh, it's got the Steam Workshop support now, so... Some mods are coming out for it. Uh, I'm reading up on how to make mods for it. It looks like a really, really interesting... Uh, it has a lot of interesting opportunities for the modding community. So looking forward to seeing kind of what happens there. Uh, oh, and then my last... Sorry, I'm just working for my list now. My my last honorable mention of things that have been making me happy is there is a Wikipedia article that is a list of lists of lists. <laughs> I use this every now and then without realizing, you know, when you're doing a search Uh and Google does that thing now where they just like highlight the part that you searched for and it like jumps you to that. So I didn't realize that I've been using this page off and on over the last few weeks, but there is a page on Wikipedia that is a list of all of the list pages on Wikipedia. So if you wanted to know the list, if, if you wanted to find a list of CSI characters, you could go to the page that is lists of CSI characters. Mm-hmm. And this list has that list listed in its list. God. I'm listless. Actually, I'm not listless. I'm listful because of this page. <laughs> the word has lost all meaning to me now. <laughs> Should we talk about the episode now? Let's talk about this show. It's time to discuss Dragon Pilot.
Jimmy, I... Well, okay, let's start with the summary. Yeah. The summary of episode one of Dragon Pilot says, Hisone Amakasu enlists in the Air Self-Defense Force, where an encounter with a dragon concealed inside a hangar alters her career path forever. Yep. Going into the show, I didn't know anything besides your pitch to me, which was, what if planes were actually dragons? Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. That's basically all you need to get into the show, right? How how did you feel about episodes one and two sort of bringing you into that story? Uh, I have a lot to say about it. Okay. Uh, I love the, the concept. Yeah, it's just it's, kind of fun that, that dragons are real and they've been used. Uh, they've been kept secret for centuries in warfare to just right. to so they wouldn't have like be taken by the enemy and like used against people. Well, and there's a Japan there's a really, specifically, yeah. There's a, there's a really fun exposition in episode one. It's like pretty early on in episode one too, where somebody basically holds up a slideshow for the main character and explains Japan has always known about the existence of dragons, or or pardon me, uh, uh, OTFs. Yeah, it stands for organic transforming flyers. So they've always known about organic transforming flyers, and they've always known that they needed to keep them a secret, specifically in the interest of having military supremacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is it has, through the millennia, been the responsibility of one organization or another to figure out how to keep dragons secret. And there's a bunch of like slideshows of people hiding them behind kites. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, banners. Uh, I, I th- was one, am I remembering correctly, did they hide them behind the great wall at one point am i misremembering that that's entirely possible i mean that would, i know that would be china but also like depending on the time frame that might be appropriate um there are various dragons hiding behind various objects but yeah. the central conceit of the show is in the modern day um dragons are the sole custody of the japan self-defense force where they are they have they're they're kept in like airplane hangars and they're they basically tape uh, plane parts to them so they look like planes. <laughs> the first time the main character sees the dragon getting this all this stuff attached, she's like, "Well, it's more like cosplay because it's <laughs> right. very clearly still a dragon, right? That just has some like jet wings kind of clamped onto it, but it's like for it to actually." work the dragon has to like scooch in on itself so all the plane pieces kind of like jam together it, it looks at first very much like having the star scream transformer and like <laughs> transforming it halfway yeah they look like halfway done transformers um specifically beast wars yes there's a yes, show exactly. we should watch beast oh wars. god have you tried watching beast wars recently i have actually oh it does not hold up it's so bad the writing is amazing. The animation is whew, rough. Um, speaking of the animation, how, how did you feel? Unless you want to talk more about OTFs, not really. I'm Dragons. curious how you. I'm curious how you felt about the anime, the, the the animation style of the show overall. I have to say, of all the anime I see, I've seen, the animation is this in this show is some of the most gorgeous. Mm, Every. Mm-hmm. Every like background frame looks like a storybook. 
Yes. You know, and the the character design is very cutesy. Um, it's very, it's like like I don't want to say low budget Ghibli, but that's kind of what the vibe I was getting was that it's like like Ghibli, yeah. except they don't have nearly as much money. Yeah. Uh, so, but still beautiful. The studio that worked on this, Bones, also did Full Metal Alchemist. Ah, uh, that's why it looks so good. Right. Eureka 7, um, Ghost Slayer Zayashi, trying to think of, uh, Soul Eater, um, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, Hero Man, Star Driver. So they've got some range. They've got a big range. Tenkai Knights, um, Space Dandy. They worked on Space Dandy. So, like, all sorts of things in this range, but... Like you were saying, this is more like children's storybook style in a lot of ways. Yeah. And all the characters, even just, even like tough characters are drawn in this style. Well, besides the jets, which look like jets. Right. But uh, all the characters, all the humans look like, like storybook characters. You know, they're cute. Yeah. This like would you definitely. Would find in a kid's book. Yeah, it would not be out of place to be in one of those like thick cardboard picture books, right? Exactly. The the dragons with a couple of exceptions, like especially later on in the series there's a couple of important exceptions, but for the most part the dragons look like uh Richard Scary characters they to me. They do. And, I can totally maybe, see that. They're very Maybe we should talk adorable. about the Maybe we should talk about the main characters. Sure. Uh but the main dragon Masatan is this like big blue sort of long neck friendly dragon. Yeah, these these are not like spiky evil dragons. These are dragons with all the edges rounded off. They're very right. they're very soft looking. Uh Masotan has these big eyes and looks and this this is the exact Richard Scary uh, reference that I'm thinking of looks like the earthworm from Richard Scary books. Yes. Uh, just these, these big, adorable cartoon eyes. Um, and he's introduced, he's introduced in a really interesting way. And through the, the eyes of the other main character who is, uh, Hisone, uh, Amakasu. What were your impressions of Hisone at first? The main character? Yeah. Um, I think it's very, it was very funny to me that, like, in the first five minutes of the show, this character was like, man, I don't know what I want to do with my life. If I go to school, I still won't even know what I want to do. And then she just sees some jets flying out the window, and she's like, well, I guess I'll go and join the Air Force. Smash (laughs) cut to her being the best in the Air Force and, like, getting a commendation on, like, being, like, the highest percentile. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very much like a um, like a chosen one sort of trope in a way, but I love that scene where uh, I'm I'm gonna forget her name now, but the flight leader uh, calls Amakasu uh, up sort of to the the front of the office and like hands her the the papers saying, okay, here go to Hangar Eight. You've been selected for this program, and Amakasu, as the flight leader like looks away, Amakasu goes. No, there has to be some sort of mistake. I can't do this. Like I've I've only ever worked a desk job. I've never been a pilot before, and also I've never heard of the eighth hangar. And she just like goes off on this tangent, and she says it all out loud, and all the characters are like, "What?" 
Yeah, the the flight uh, leader like turns back and is like, "Oh, did you say something?" And she's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Which is like her whole deal is that she doesn't like trust herself or like think very highly of her own abilities, and so she just rambles on and on and on and on and on about her place in life and how she's not actually all that good. Yeah, well, she doesn't have a filter at all, and it, she has no filter. And it's part of it's part of that feeling of like it doesn't matter if I say everything out loud because nobody's gonna care what I say anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I mean, hey, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a big part of why I podcast. <laughs> it's really um, cute, though. It is. It is. It works. It it's works endearing. for her character. I think it's endearing. Um, so Tell she. I couldn't remember what. Uh, this show reminded me of, and I just remembered. It's have you ever read uh, *Serendipity* by Stephen Cosgrove? It's a no. children's book. Uh, here, it's the exact same art style, though. Oh, I don't. You may have seen this before. I'll send it to you in the chat. *Serendipity*. No, I've never seen this before. But yeah, you're right. This is the exact same art style. It's like a there's like Stephen a Stephen Cosgrove, illustrated by Robin James. Okay, it's a very seventies. It, it's it's a book series from the seventies, okay, um, but each one is it. about a different, like extremely adorable sort of creature that's mostly like big eyes and just really cute sort of design, very rounded. It looks like if Lisa Frank did just a little bit more acid. <laughs> well, maybe a little bit less. Uh, okay, fair. fair. <laughs> the backgrounds aren't as colorful. No, if Lisa uh, Frank. Uh, had some restraint in regards to color palettes. <laughs> if someone had dared to edit Lisa Frank. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm just kind of thinking through the first episode. Uh, she's sent to this Hangar 8. Uh, she meets... An old woman who gives her directions. Yeah, because she's standing there bewildered looking at the map of the the base. And she's like, I can't even find Hangar 8. And the old lady points like into this like mountain. And she's like, oh, it's over there. Yeah, she's very mysterious about the whole thing. You know, she's like, I believe you'll find what you're looking for in that direction. Uh, and then she hands her a Yakult. Have you had Yakult? I don't think so. I haven't. I want to, but I know that my me poor tummy it just wouldn't it just wouldn't agree with me. It's, it's basically a cup like of a, yogurt. Yeah, it's like a yogurt drink. It's a it's a well, it's not yogurt though. It's it's a it's a culture. It's a cultured beverage. I'm looking it up right now. It looks like it looks like a milky kombucha. It's a fermented milk drink containing unique bacteria, scientifically proven to reach the gut alive. Which makes it sound like it's like storming the beaches a little bit. Like the way you s- describe it sounds gross. It that's that's their copy. <laughs> that's the headline of the website. Yakult, a little bottle of science, a fermented milk drink containing unique bacteria, scientifically proven to reach the gut alive. Which kind of goes into the the part of the show we get into next. Yeah. So walk walk me through what happens there. Uh, she goes. She opens the door to this hangar, and it's like all dark. There's no lights. Uh, she starts wandering around, uh, confused because it's like it looks abandoned. 
uh, and from behind her, this thing rises out of the what appears to be some kind of pool, and then she turns around. And it's this huge thing with glowing red eyes, and it eats her. Right, right. End Hard of the show. Bye. Smash cut to she wakes up in bed the next day in a hospital as somebody is giving her the slideshow that I, I mentioned <laughs> earlier. Uh, no, no time for her to recuperate. Just straight into here's what just happened. Yeah. So dragons are real. You met one. Uh, any questions? No. Good. And yeah, and and then that's that basically sets up the whole rest of the show. Uh, where she learns that she has been chosen as a dragon pilot, name of the show. By the dragon. Uh, by the dragon. The dragon has to pick the pilot because the dragon has to eat the pilot. How did you feel about this, Jimmy? <sighs> We've been dancing. I've been dancing around this for a lot, but I have to tell you, Tyler, that this is disgusting. <laughs> it's a, if they had played it a little less a little more straight or like didn't show it a lot it would be fine but for the the people to pilot the dragons they're not like sitting on their they're not riding the dragons it's not called dragon riders right they are they are eaten by the dragons tyler and when they are eaten <laughs> by the dragons we see these beautiful this beautiful art style with these cute characters just surrounded by the heaving organs dripping with goop and slime and gastric juices. Tyler, mm-hmm. this is a show about Vor, and it disgusted me. <laughs> now, see, here's here's the thing. Here, here's what I here's what I appreciate about it. It's gross. Yes, it is. A, yes, it is a show about Vor. Yes, I'm sorry I didn't say, say we that. We need to say that. Thirty five minutes into this episode, this is a show about Vor. I didn't. I explicitly did not include that in my pitch of the show to you, Jimmy, because I knew that if I had said that up front, you would not have watched it. Here is the reason why I think it's okay. I'm not usually into Vor, me personally. Usually, not. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not gonna. I don't want to discount it. You know, like the the James Dean thing. Like I'm not gonna live with one arm tied behind my back. Uh, the the reason that I'm okay with the Vor in the show is that in that exposition. Uh, or not in that explicit exposition, but but that exposition that you get of the slideshow of like, here's an OTF, we've been hiding them for millennia. That is the entire attitude that the Japanese Air Self-Defense Force has towards OTFs. They've been around for millennia. It's not a surprise. We have routines for everything. And the way that uh, uh, Amakasu learns how to pilot a dragon is from these like, Richard Simmons style like 90s exercise tapes where there are these three women doing stretches basically to hit different organs of the dragon. Yes, the way you pilot the dragon is by poking them in various parts of their body so they like get the signals. It's like steering a horse. And it's so it's so rote at this point that they even have she's on this like like twister style like mat on the floor that has the various parts sort of organized with not the organ name but the function name so like okay if you want to like yaw left or i don't know what the term is if you want to roll left move your right hand here and turn it clockwise if you want to if you want to dive put your left foot uh, back a bit and like of of course they've been doing this for this is totally normal 
And that's why I'm okay with it is because to everyone in the world, except for Amakasu, it's totally normal. They do play it straight. They do. And, and I feel like you're not giving this part enough credit. You, there, there are points in even the first episode where you don't see the insides anymore. They find ways to get around it. The point of the, the helmets that they wear is like a heads up display where it's like like Iron Man, where you like tap a thing and then suddenly all the world around you is just like covered in the hologram and you can see like the outside, whatever the dragon is seeing. Right, exactly. So you don't, you're not, you're not spending, I feel like this needs to be said, you are not spending incredibly large portions of this show looking at dragon innards. They do spend a little bit of time looking at they dragon sp- innards. They spend a bit of t- they spend a bit of time, a bit of time, but not the whole show. So if you're gonna let a little bit of dragon innards put you off the show, I think just just power through. It'll be fine. How did you feel about uh, the? Try- I'm just trying to think in, in my head through the first couple of episodes. How did you think about the point where she realizes, okay? Masatan, or the dragon doesn't have a name at that point. Mm. The OTF picked me. I'm going to learn how to fly it. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pe- let people down. How did you feel about that moment where she's like, okay, let's do this? I feel like that's just the, the standard trope in anything where you're like chosen by a creature or like some power to to wield yeah, it or fly it or do it, whatever. It's the, it's the Joseph Campbell, the hero is called, yeah. the rejection of the call. Yeah. It's cute though because they're like, oh, to to go and like bond with with your uh, your OTF here. You just have you seen ET? You just have to hold out your finger, <laughs> and, and like indicate that you that you are the chosen one. It's just like ET, phone and, home, you know. <laughs> right. Like and uh, the at that point, that's when she rejects it and she runs off. And then later, she decides, okay, I'm going to come back, and. She she does that. She like holds her hand. She says "et." <laughs> no, she says "phone home." I think. Yeah. Uh, and then it's very uh, funny to me to see Western media shown in an an anime. There's a there's a lot of pop culture lot of- re- like Western pop culture references in this show, which is really fun. Um, there's a little bit of fourth wall breaking later on in the series, um, but at that point, then she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna fly it." And then the dragon swallows her before she realizes and she is accidentally flying it to the point where she has to use her cell phone, her flip phone, to call the home base base. and have someone walk her through how to land this thing. Yeah, how to actually fly, how to actually pilot a dragon. Because now there's just like a dragon flying around with half a plane (laughs) costume on. Yeah, at this point, it's very clear that it is a dragon. Uh, these people are actually terrible at keeping these dragons secret. That's just straight up a dragon yeah. flying around. Yeah, yeah. With plain parts like duct tape to it. <laughs> How it's still a secret, I'm not really sure. I'm not entirely sure either. But there, she does, she figures it out, right? She gets uh, the OTF to transform into, uh, it goes from... I'm trying to remember the names of the modes. They have like code names for everything. Yeah, it's like military uh, code words. Yeah, it goes into like foxtrot from hotel. Yeah, from hotel is. to foxtrot. Which I don't know what those actually stand for, but uh, there we go. 
so so she gets it to to switch to uh the the jet plane mode and that that animation is actually really good yeah it was actually surprisingly good it like that the dragon like turtles and then it like squeeches in on itself and like the wings kind of fold inward and the like plane pieces attach to each other and then it like its head kind of retracts into its neck a little bit and then that's like the nose cone of the plane that kind of snaps into place and then it finally a, looks like a jet there's a lot of really great gifs of, of that shot and all the transformation shots on on uh on like giphy and i'm sure youtube has just a compilation of like every transformation sequence from the show um but it's really really well done i mean obviously from folks who are going to make shows like full metal alchemist like having machinery parts is going to be high on yeah. your list of, of priorities um after the first flight, though, we get to learn a bit more about the characters. Were there any characters that, like, really jumped out at you? I like her her fellow cadet. Uh, mm, uh, uh, what's now? Name? Now, um, uh, Kaizawa, I believe. I'm going to look it up. Uh, Kaizaki. Now Kaizaki. Kaizaki. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> now is really interesting. What? How would you, how would you describe her? She's... The first time we see her, she's like Slav squatting on the ground <laughs> yes. like a gangster and then like <laughs> steals her yogurt drink. Mm-hmm. Well, Amakasu offers it because she knows that that uh, uh, Kaizaki is, is angry that she's there. She's, so she's angry like, oh, do you all wanna, the time. <laughs> do you want a, a yuckle? In the um, two episodes I saw, it's just that like the entire time she's like trying to undermine the main character. Yes. And like prank her in various ways that keep hilariously backfiring kaizaki is a really interesting character i think of of the characters kaizaki has like my favorite arc in the show i think you know obviously amakasu is going to be doing that like luke skywalker king arthur sort of chosen one shtick but kaizaki has this really like genuine period of growth that i really like uh that i'll talk about a little bit after after i i blow the spoiler horn um but my favorite thing about her is that all the the cadets have tack names. They have like pilot code names. Kaizaki's is sexy jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> sure, which is uh, everything you need to know about the character. <laughs> uh, who else? Who else? What do we got? We got uh, Okanogi. I think is his name. Is that the, the like engineer clothes designer kid? guy? Oh. Okanogi, that the uh, the guy who's in the hangar all the time. Yes, yeah, he's the one that sort of introduces, formally introduces uh, uh, Amakasu to Masotan because he's the engineer that like keeps the plane parts going. Yeah, uh, uh, I like that guy. He actually yeah. he looks exactly like me if I was an anime character. <laughs> I was gonna say that. Yeah, he does. He smokes, which last I checked is not he true vapes, for you, but... though. He, okay. See that? I need to look up if this is a thing because I don't think he's vaping. I think what it is is he has a cigarette with a vape-like electronic lighter. Is that what that thing is? Because he throws a cigarette away after taking a puff on. So either he's he has a cigarette and a vape, <laughs> or it is a cigarette in a thing. And Do I don't I look smoke. Like I know anything about I don't smoking. smoke. <laughs> I'm allergic. I I wanted to be a cool kid who would smoke, uh, and then it turned out that I was allergic to tobacco. 
so good for Tyler, me, I guess. Tyler, is this true? You tried smoking and then almost died? Yeah. Yeah. In uh, in college, I was like, I was like, man, I really, I really want to know what smoking is like. I don't, I don't know why. I just, I was like, this, that seems like a thing to try. Wait, this happened at Fox? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this happened. Tell me what um, happened. This happened when I, while I was living with Garrett. Uh, and I don't think I ever told him about it, <laughs> but, but I, I called up a friend and I was like, all right, I need you to come to the gas station with me because I need moral support. I'm going to buy a pack of cigarettes. And I had no idea what I was even asking for. So I bought a pack of cigarettes. I paid way too much, walked over to a park, lit a cigarette, tried the cigarette. And I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on so uh, uh our our mutual friend mike mike's bachelor party they had cigars because that's the thing you have at bachelor parties and i had a horrible allergic reaction and i was like having an asthma attack i was crying i couldn't breathe he had to drive me home <laughs> poor guy from his own bachelor party and he was like have you ever been tested for a tobacco allergy and i was like well i did try a cigarette once and really didn't like it but I thought that was just because I didn't like a cigarette. And he goes, I think you're allergic. <laughs> I have never heard about this. Yeah. So try as I might to be a cool kid. Here I am. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So uh, well, uh, I for one am glad that it didn't work and you are not addicted to cigarettes. Me too. It's a lot cheaper this way. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Okanogi, I really like, A, because, yes, he does look like you, Jimmy. Um, he also, he... That's such a homeschool kid thing to do, uh, going to a Christian college being like, I'm gonna be cool and try cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, you know, had to do, had to have my thing, you know? Everybody's got a thing. <laughs> and yours is gonna be smoking? Apparently, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. It didn't take anyway. This thing that you set out to do. I, I wasn't saying it was a good plan. I'm not saying, oh, everybody should do this. I'm saying that I was, I don't know, 19 and a dumbass. Ten years later, I'm still a dumbass. Like, what do you, what do you want from me? <laughs> I'm just amazed. I've never heard this story before. It tickles me. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that I could share it with you and our entire audience at once. <laughs> uh, uh, some of the other characters are sort of in the background for right now of the show. I forget who all you meet in episode two, though. We meet pretty much exclusively just like the guy who designs the suits and yes. like... Just a little bit, some of the like random characters in the background, like one of the generals or something. Yeah. So I think if I remember correctly, so the guy who designs the suits. So, okay. So the pilots, the OTF pilots have to have special suits so that the dragon's digestive system does not dissolve them. Again, gross. <laughs> yes. How did you feel about the guy though? I'm going to look up his name. Pervert. Real quick. He, is he? <laughs> It seems like he really is. It, yeah, you know? I know it's his job to, like, have to figure out. He, the first thing he does is grab the main character's ass and pull her forward, like, into him so he can measure her waistline. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, Ikushima, that's his name. Ikushima. Ikushima. 
Uh, at one point in the show, I, I distinctly remember this line. He makes a comment about Amakasu, and Amakasu is like, "What the fuck did you just say to me?" And he goes, "Oh no, no, no! It's not like that. I'm only interested in your body." And then everyone's like, "Wait, what the fuck did you just say?" And he goes, "No, no, I designed the suits. <laughs> I need, I, I actually need your measurements." Um, I. What's weird is after the second episode or or, or, or so. I don't get the idea that he's a perv. He's just got like that, that, um, uh, who's, who's the, uh, uh, uh arrested development character. Oh, um, Tobias, Tobias, Tobias. <laughs> he has the Tobias thing where he just doesn't hear the words that he's saying. Really? I, that's my read on it. That's my read on it. Okay. Cause that continues the, through the, the whole episode, show. It is very, it, it plays into the like, pervy older guy preying on these women sort of trope yeah there there are other ways that the show touches on that uh and i don't know if now is when we want to hit like spoiler territory a little bit or like well, if we can just any... talk about the second episode and then we can go into the rest of the show yeah so hit me hit me with the second episode because i actually i rewatched the the first episode and the last two episodes because i couldn't remember how the show ended but i didn't watch the second episode so walk me through kind of where that takes us the second episode is one where uh the main character is try is um she's she's trying to be like a, a pilot now um and she gets chosen by the dragon and whatever, all that good stuff. Sure. Um, and then the uh, what's her name? The the mean character, the side character. Uh, uh, now. Now, yes. Now keeps trying to like. Now is mad that she's there and keeps trying to like. Uh, prank her or like basically haze her into leaving. Right. It's it's not like it's not like a lighthearted prank. It's really more of a trying to like ruin her life sort of way. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't work. Yeah. And it just no. all her things just keep backfiring on her. And so she just straight up quits and she steals a motorcycle and leaves the base. <laughs> uh, now you say motorcycle. You mean one of the little scooters. A little, little moped <laughs> scooter thing. It's uh it that comes back actually in in the, the last couple of episodes. And I mean those things get going. That's all I'm going to say. They get going. But yeah, so she leaves. She leaves and everyone's like, well, we can't actually let her leave. She knows a secret about dragons. (laughs) (laughs) If she, she, we literally can't let her leave. Uh, This is a major security breach. We have to go find her, but it's so expensive. How can we do this without like alerting the populace? And um, the, the main character is like, well, I can just take the OTF out and find her. And they're like, will that work? Can we actually do that? How can we do that without alerting the populace? And the general's right. like, well, we could just put her in like one of the regular training runs that we do every night. Just slip her out that way. And, and she does. Disguise it as a plane. Yeah, disguise because it as that's a plane. the thing that we do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our, our our entire reason for existing. If only we had a way to disguise this dragon somehow. Hmm. If only we'd been working on this for like I don't know, a thousand years? <laughs> and so she does. Um, okay. There's like a brief subplot where the entire reason that she got swallowed by the dragon in the first place is because she still has a flip phone. 
Oh, yes, I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flip <laughs> phones like, are its favorite food. Yeah, flip fo- the the dragons need a lot of like solid like heavy metals in order to like survive. And his favorite food is flip phones and like nowadays everyone's got their their uh their smartphones that don't have as much metal in them so he can't eat the the phones that he used to. But you had a phone so he ate it. <laughs> and the dragon like is going crunch 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 crunch. And so I think the what's her name now uh, just is extremely jealous and thinks that the only reason she was chosen is because she had a, a flip phone on her at the time instead of right. like actually meaning to be a dragon pilot. And I think this is part of where we get why now is like so angry as, as explicitly at Amakasu is like now wants to be a dragon pilot but hasn't been chosen yet. So she's yeah. been a cadet there for a while and like doesn't really have any hope of getting an actual promotion anytime soon because mm-hmm. she needs she, to be picked. She hasn't actually bonded with any of the OTFs. Right. Of which we've still only seen the one, but yeah. Um so uh Amakasu goes out in uh, and finds her. Uh, the the dragon's able to like just sniff out her scent. There's a really cute shot where it's it's just the jet, and then the front of the jet like unfolds, and the dragon's head pops out and like sniffs around, and it's like, oh, she's over in that direction, and then like turns back into a jet. Yeah, I love again like the the transformation animations in the show are just top it's, notch. It's very you good. Get it's so little, cute. you get little humorous bits like that. Yeah, throughout. it's like all the all the like machinery parts are like evangelion level animation except with this like chonky dragon sticking out yeah yeah well this episode is is very like evangelion like style too where it's oh here's a person with classified information has left the compound let's let's fire up the mech and go find them (laughs) yeah um and so the dragon is able to find her and it lands um as like uh, a VTOL plane. I don't mm-hmm. know how common those are in Japan, or if I, it's no idea. I don't know if it's <laughs> I don't know if it's common for jets in Japan to just stop in midair and then land straight down. Right. Um, this one does because it's a dragon. Um, a, a VTOL dragon. A VTOL dragon. But Amakasu is like, hey, I was able to follow you here. The dragon sniffed you out. Uh, we were worried about you. Um, and now it's just like I'm injured fuck off because you like i don't know skidded and wiped out on the the bike um oh yes uh-huh it's like oh no the dra- the dragon chose you that's why it found that's why it was able to find you is that it was able to bond with you in that way and then the dragon swallows her and takes off right leaving amakasu to like take the uh take the motorcycle back so yay! Now gets what she wants. Yeah, now she gets what she wants because I, I guess being swallowed by an OTF means that you are now ready to like pilot them. Right. Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Just like getting in a minivan means you're now qualified to drive a minivan. Is that not how it works? <laughs> That's how it works. That's how I've been doing it. <laughs> Any child that occupies a vehicle is equipped to occupy that vehicle and drive around. <laughs> that sounds about right to me. So I'm I'm trying to remember where that episode actually leaves off because now does not stay Masutan's pilot. No, she gets puked. She gets puked up and then Masutan goes back to to flying with Amakasu. Yeah, Amakasu, I think it ends, Amakasu is in the dragon 
going to find uh, now. And then she mm-hmm. sees like a, I don't even know how to describe it, runes inscribed on the inside yep. of the dragon. Oh, yeah, I had forgotten about this. Did they? Did it explain what they said, or they were just like mysterious runes? There's mysterious runes that give the name of the dragon Masutan. Because that's right. She was trying to figure out what to name the dragon because it didn't have a name, and apparently it's just written on the inside. Yeah, th- this is this is not a spoiler, but uh, a pr- there there you meet a previous Masutan pilot uh, who had named him Oscar. <laughs> Asatan. So this this could have this could have very easily been uh Hisone and Oscar. <laughs> That's actually very cute. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh there's a a bunch of other dragons that we meet later on in the show, but my favorite is Norma. That's the dragon's, the dragon's name? name. Sure. Norma. <laughs> that has a kind of a, like a World War II fighter plane sort of vibe to it. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, actually, the the tack name of the the pilot, the pilot's Norma, is Jimmy. <laughs> I'm glad to be represented. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So okay. So first two episodes. How are you feeling about like the show overall? Are you going to keep watching it? Uh, I might. I'm interested in seeing where the story goes because after like at the end of this episode. Uh, apparently it comes as a shock to the generals that they named it uh, Masatan. And there's something, some mention about like a priestess or something. Yes. So I'll, I'll sound the spoiler alarm here. If, if you are interested in watching Dragon Pilot and you don't want any spoilers, just stop listening to the episode right now because I'm gonna be, I am personally going to talk about spoilers from here on out uh, because there's a lot of stuff that happens late in the show that I want to talk about. Jimmy, do you mind if I spoil a few things for you? No, go ahead. Okay. I, I personally, the reason I'm fine with spoilers is like I don't really care what happens in the show because especially shows like this, there's so many tropes anyway that I basically know what's going to happen. I'm really interested in seeing how they get to the points that I know. So... Uh, there is a ritual. The reason that uh, you need to be chosen by the dragon is the dragon pilots are part of a ritual that happens every 50 years, I think, something like that, where they act as uh, 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 escorts, I guess. Uh, they, they do an escort mission uh, for a ginormous like kai kai, calling it a kaiju would be not doing it justice it's like two kaiju monsters stuck together a giant dragon uh that actually masquerades as a whole mountain uh and they are sort of guiding this on a flight as it awakes from a deep slumber on a flight to a new resting place and then helping it go uh, uh and and rest peacefully because if they don't all of Japan, certainly, maybe the world, will be torn asunder by this dragon's rage. Uh, and as part of that, so you it's have a the cult. dragons. It's a cult. It's a cult. You, you have you have the dragons sort of flying point, helping you know guide this giant kaiju dragon, uh, whose name I am forgetting. 
Um, it'll come to me eventually. Um, and you have these like priestesses who also take part in a, a ritual to help the dragon sort of go back to its its rest. Um, so you meet the the priestesses. They're a separate group of characters later on, but it's very important for the dragon pilots to have like a sort of spiritual connection with the dragons that they're piloting. Mm. Uh, it. I'll talk a little bit more about that in our like best and worst thing. I'd have mixed feelings about that particular aspect, but that's, that's what it is. Um, the, the rest of the show is basically like they set up that, that whole concept that, Hey, there's a ritual you have to prepare for. Uh, you meet the other dragon pilots. There's five, I think. Let me pull up the Wikipedia page again. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, there's five. Um, They're called deep pies. Yeah, deep which which I I kind of like. It's you know it's got like that senpai kind of vibe to it. Deep pie, notice me. <laughs> uh, but deep for dragon pilot. Um, it 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 does a really interesting thing where it spends a few episodes really just focusing on the relationships between the characters and not mm. so much the dragons. Uh, or not so much the, like, we're going to learn to be fighter pilots. Uh, there is an entire episode where a bunch of them get stuck on an island and they have to, like, figure out why it was that their dragons chose them. Hmm. And so it's a lot of, you know, deep introspection into their characters and sort of revealing deep secrets about themselves. Um, That's a lot to you... pack into, what, 12 episodes, you said? Yeah, 12 episodes. Uh, and you get... Uh, some really interesting commentary on, you know, both what it is to be a person who ascribes to a certain faith, what it is to be a person who like doesn't ascribe to any particular religion, but also believes that people should have like a purpose in life. Uh, you get a lot of commentary about gender and gender roles and norms. That is uh, not the vibe I was getting from these first two episodes. It's it gets really different from these first two episodes, uh, but it keeps that that sort of core charm that I think you latch onto in those first couple of episodes, where everything still looks like it's part of a children's book, but the children's book goes into these very not adult themes, like nobody's you know they're not getting explicit, right? But they're talking about very serious things, very very grown up things. Um. I have I have a bunch of notes down written down under my best and worst, so maybe we should You've just got like, some hop into that. Notes here. I yeah, let's hop into our best and worst, and then I'll I'll rant a little bit more about my deep feelings on the show. But definitely, if you're into uh, uh, shows about characters sort of coming to grips with a surprising and dark and caring and complex and confusing reality honestly you could do worse than dragon pilot like dragon pilot does a really good job covering a lot of different emotional range so what you're saying is this is an actual good show unlike all the horseshit we've been watching yes (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yu-Gi-Oh and the f-zero gp legend and like I say that with a caveat because I know it won't be for everybody. Like I know Lauren watched the the first episode and it just wasn't for her. I think part of that is because 
it can come across as very saccharine in a lot of ways. Like it, it's got that children's book sort of style to it. Um, so if, if it doesn't vibe with you, that's fine. But if you can stick through the first like four episodes, just watch the whole rest of the show. So Jimmy, tell me about the best part of Dragon Pilot for you. Uh, I can only say speak to my experience watching the first two episodes. By far, my favorite thing was just how beautiful everything was animated. Mm-hmm. I talked about it a little before, but it truly is just gorgeous to look at. Um, all the, the characters are adorable. Um, there's so much detail in like the backgrounds and like their uniforms and ev- like the items that they're holding. Um, everything like that. They cut no corners. Um, besides what the art style looks like. I mean, some of the characters like, right. don't have noses. It's just that kind of sort of extremely simplified character design that's really... It, it's charming. It's a very yeah. charming... Uh, it's a very charming design for everything, and it is just wonderful to look at. There's a lot of, like... Whenever they're like flying, all the like landscapes that they look at, like clouds in the background, are just absolutely gorgeous. There, there is an amazing scene in the last couple of episodes that I truly don't want to spoil, but they take that same sort of painterly approach and apply it to something that is very scary. And it has that effect of like, I desperately want to stop looking at this thing, but it is so good to look at. Mm -hmm. And that's such a fine line that they, it's this studio. I mean, obviously has like a lot of experience doing that sort of thing. And it really shows in this, the show. They have a lot of talent. Absolutely. Yeah. What's your best? My best is long. I apologize. You're right. I have a lot of notes. You're also going off the entire show as opposed to like the first yeah. two episodes. I'm going to talk about the whole show. In general, the thing that I really enjoy the most about Dragon Pilot is its ability to naturally show and talk about and talk with women in various positions of power, which is not a thing that you get a lot of in like military drama, uh, unless it's you know, very explicitly saying like, Hey, what if we told a military drama, but Ooh, it's about a woman. Oh, uh, like, I don't know, cadet Kelly, uh, and, uh, uh, operation pinafore. I don't know. Petty, petty for petticoat operation, petticoat. Um, this show has mostly female main characters. Uh, I think about three quarters of the main characters, at least, I noticed that, especially um, in the first two episodes. And and honestly, the main male characters are completely interchangeable. <laughs> it's the thing. They're kind of just uh, in the background the whole time. Yeah, it really flips the script on like what are the the traditional gender roles, not just in like a military setting, but in this kind of a story, right? Like you have the chosen one who it would usually be like a Luke Skywalker type is Amakasu. Uh, you have the angry person is now you have uh, a, a bunch of you know characters that you haven't met yet but who are all played by women and they're not played by women in a way that's like oh look at me I'm a girl like they really don't talk about gender in that way it's at completely all not mentioned 
No, but it's also not... It's not fully ignored either. Like, you have Amakasu going through these moments of, like, wait a second, I'm just a girl. Why are we having me in this situation? Oh, right, because I can actually do this thing because I'm a competent person. Um, There are... I'm, I'm going to go back to my notes here because otherwise I'm just going to ramble. Uh, they're, they're making the kinds of like actions and decisions that would usually be given to male characters in the show and then just doing them, like not not hemming and hawing about like, oh, but I'm I'm a woman. Am I allowed to do this thing? They, no, they, they just make it happen. Uh, and they do things like not just badass things, but things like Amakasu's problems with oversharing are very similar to uh, like jim halpert in the office in a lot of ways where you get that cutaway of him just saying whatever uh you get kaizaki's anger problems uh the old lady uh uh hinamoto uh the the yukult lady straight up trolls amakasu for like six episodes like that that yukult conversation that they have continues to escalate (laughs) uh and it's it's so like joyous in the way that it does that it just enjoys letting these characters be who the characters are and it's it's it feels very genuine and the show i was originally written by a woman and that that really shows and i think in the translation even they did a really good job keeping that through line um and i'm gonna look up the creator's name here uh uh mari okada uh mari okada uh is a, a writer and an, a manga artist and she also did, I'm going to look up some of her other work here. Um, let's see, anything that I, I recognize here. Uh, Book of Bontora, Canaan, uh, uh, Toradora, Vampire Knight. Um, she's got like, <laughs> she's got a resume that's a mile long. Um, but it's clear that she's very comfortable writing like natural sounding female characters. Mm-hmm. Later on in the show... Uh, again, it gets into like these deep emotional, uh, uh, territory later on the show. There's a bunch of stuff about like what it means to be in love with someone and to have obligation or responsibility to someone or to something or to some idea. And it takes all this joy that you feel in the first couple of episodes and almost applies that energy to these very serious things and says, okay, we're not going to like be stopped by these deep ideas we're not gonna say like oh well i can't process what it means to be like you know in love with the wrong person while i'm the chosen one i'm going to be excited about that that this is an opportunity to like do something interesting with the show um and it, it, it's a really really lovely way to explore like what gender actually means in a mech show and it turns out that it's not much <laughs> like you can basically interchange these characters so long as you make them interesting characters mm-hmm. um and i i think i think that's something that i would like to see more of again as a straight white man i am not like the best person to be talking about gender and i probably like i i put my foot in my mouth more than once and that run-on sentence but the way that they handle all of this in the show is really really masterfully done hmm. we'll have to watch okay. more of it how about the worst part of the show for you <sighs> my worst part of the show ties in with how beautiful it's animated and that, that the concept of the show leans very heavily into being really gross yeah there's a lot of <laughs> yeah. focus on how they're getting eaten 
and mm-hmm. just think of how beautifully it's animated and just apply that to like heaving organs and like a dripping gastric juices on various parts of their bodies and like all the like innards of the dragon that you have to like squat on and then like rub to get the dragon to move around and it's just it took me quite by surprise and it made me feel physically uncomfortable to watch yeah it, like it made me glad that i was watching this alone in my room and not out where my roommates could see it. <laughs> because it's yeah, gross yeah it is it it's is shockingly it's, so it i mean we said it towards the start of the episode this is a show about vor yeah uh, I did not know that going into this, and I think if they had played it more for laughs, it would work, but they play it kind of straight. Yeah. Um, and so, like, all the, like, cartoonishly things they could do with being eaten by dragons is instead showing, like, oh, here's, like, the actual guts of a dragon that this person is in, and they're slowly being crushed to death while being dissolved by its, like, stomach juice. And it's just, it it made me feel icky. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to. And that's fair. And that's, that's something that I, I, I still have it written down in my worst, like a very similar thing, but I feel a bit better about it now thinking about the show in contrast to like Neon Genesis Evangelion, Mm -hmm. where the, the whole metaphor of, uh, the, the Evas was, this is like a uh you're putting the pilot in a womb in yeah. an artificial womb of some kind so that they can have like a psychic connection with this mother angel robot uh spoilers for Eva I guess I don't but know But in Eva it's played more in like like a horror trope what they're doing yeah. to these characters is ghastly It well towards the end at first it's not really commented on and then you realize like oh this is weird because they're doing their absolute utmost to keep the pilots from like knowing what's actually going on there's so many layers of the like cult that the organization is based on that they're like trying to take this horrible thing and piece it out into tiny tiny pieces that you can't see the full picture of what's happening until you like get further into the show and right. then you you realize what's what's going on, and in a way, like yes, it's still disgusting, but in a way, it's kind of refreshing to be like, okay, straight up, here's the gross part. Uh, this is a male dragon swallowing a female pilot. Like, I don't know, what to tell you, he's consuming that girl. Yep. Like, here's a shot from inside his stomach of her tight, like body tight suit, and like his juices like dripping all over her. We're gonna show you it's a close up all- of her butt. Also, yeah, also we say that, and it definitely sounds like some stuff that you would want to wipe from your search history. It never gets that, like, explicit, I don't think. It, it, got, a, it got that, like, a little bit. It gets uncomfortable. It gets uncomfortable, sure. But it's but it's another interesting, like, going back to flipping the gender roles, it it flips it there as well, where it's it's talking about, like, okay, well, what is the, like female experience here for this kind of a show and it's uncomfortable turns out <laughs> it's uncomfortable and don't think about it here's a nice uh heads up display covering all the dragon parts so all you see is like holographic controls instead commentary <laughs> anyway it, it squicked me out it's gross yeah yeah fair 
fair. That's yeah. Someone is getting off to it and it's not me. No, no. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm not here to yuck any yums, but that is I am. that's a yuck for me. <laughs> you, you can keep that shit away from me. Thank you. Uh, my worst is really similar, and that was again. That's something that I'm like coming around on a little bit. But my worst is actually, again, it's spoilers for later on in the the show. The reason that Amakasa was selected is because only women can be chosen as pilots because of this ritual. They're all male dragons, and they can only pick female pilots. So that's one hmm. thing. Uh, and the dragons have to form a like very specific spiritual connection with them in order to be flown properly. And there's a, there's a subplot where Amakasu uh, and Okanogi grow close and they have feelings for each other. And suddenly Okanogi like cuts all ties with Amakasu and Amakasu's like, well, what, what the hell man? Like, why aren't you talking to me? And it turns out that if she falls in love with someone, Masotan won't, fly with her anymore uh there's a whole like how dare you cheat uh, on me? You, well it and it's and it's not even that it's it's like how dare you think about cheating me uh, cheating on me and it, it there i forget the name for it but there's like a whole uh uh it's something isis it's it's got like a like a syndrome name where the pilot and the dragon start to like desync and it's because the pilot has feelings for someone else and they do like much later on the show, like like tenth, eleventh, twelfth episodes. They reveal like the only lesbian relationship in the show. I think there might be another one, uh, but sort of the the one with a main character in it. And they reveal that, that there's this lesbian relationship, and like that's the reason why a person can't pilot a dragon anymore is because uh, that she loved a woman years and years ago. And then it's revealed that that woman actually died as part of this ritual. Because here's the other twist, Jimmy. This ritual requires human sacrifice. Hey, this is pretty dark. This gets really dark. Uh, and so the, the reveal is that the, the Yakult lady, the old lady, was a Deepai. Like a badass World War II Deepai who flew Masatan. In World War II? And in World War II. <laughs> Did they ever address the fact that there were dragons in World War II? Here's the weird thing. The World War II plane is definitely a British plane <laughs> that they put Masatan in. Uh, they also call him Montplace, which is very interesting. Um, but uh, uh, there, there are all these flashback scenes of um, her and, and her girlfriend um, sort of talking about like, well, okay, what does this mean? Like we found each other and like, Hey, this is a rare thing in the forties, like to have this kind of open like conversation with each other about mm. how different we are from everyone else. But also one of us flies a dragon. So like, nah, whatever. But then the reason that they can't be together is because if they're together, she can't fly the dragon anymore. And she has to fly the dragon because otherwise the big dragon's going to ruin everything. And the girlfriend is one of the priestesses who's part of the ritual. So they have to break up. And then it's revealed because they don't tell you, of course, beforehand, because if they told you beforehand, you wouldn't go through with it. Then it's revealed to the old lady and and her girlfriend at the time. Oh, hey, there's a human sacrifice involved. Um, It's you. (laughs) It was fucking one of yes. 
And Sorry, lady, whole... your lesbian relationship is a threat to national security. Basically, and and there's a really Ugh. interesting. It becomes a very like sweet and touching scene. Uh, uh, in it's either the eleventh or twelfth episode, but as uh, uh, Amakasu goes through her own emotional journey with with Okanogi, she leaves, and uh, Hinotama, Hinotoma, Yakult lady. I'm gonna go find her name. Uh, 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 Hitomi? Nope. Hinotomo. Hino. Hino. Moto. Wow, I can read words. Hinamoto uh, starts piloting uh, 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 Masatan for the ritual because the giant dragon has come out of the sky and they're like disguising it as this giant uh, like spruce goose type plane. And uh, so she's piloting Masatan, but she's remembering the last time that she piloted Masatan and losing the love of her life. And the spiritual connection between her and Masaton starts to break because of that. They start going through this like weird desyncing process. And like, I don't know, that feels strange to me where it's like, okay, I get it. Like they have feelings and they're not allowed to because it's the military, but they just spend so much weird time on it where I'm like, okay, we get it. We get it. Move on, move on, move on. Huh. Uh, but that does lead to a really cool scene where uh, uh, <laughs> Amakasu drives a moped off a bridge, uh, and it's very good. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, you, yeah, you gotta watch it. Full GTA uh, right there. Yeah, it really is. It really is. <laughs> GTD, so it, Grand Theft, Theft Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> so for everything that it is, it's like really great and cool, and it really. I, I feel like it really naturally tells the story of a group of competent people. Uh, the thing that binds them all together actually gets like kind of creepy and really misogynistic. And they recover at the end, I think, in the way that the individual characters approach it. But in the middle of the season, you get to a point where everybody like knows basically what the situation is and they're just kind of going with it. Because they're in the military and they got to do these military exercises. And okay, a ritual is part of the military exercise. I guess we'll, we'll do that. And those are the episodes that make me feel icky about it is when everyone's like, yep, we're doing this thing now. <laughs> this thing where we got to we gotta appease the, the sky god with our dancing women. Um, and everyone's just kind of cool with it for a bit. And it huh. takes a while to get away from that. Well, I haven't seen any of that, so I can't comment on it. No, that was a lot of words, and I, I apologize. It's still, I mean, I think for all of that, I think the good parts of the show are really, really good, but you do have to sort of get through a bit more of that that icky feeling, not because, uh, like, oh, it stays gross, like, visually, but then it starts to feel gross a little bit. And maybe that's on purpose. I don't know. But, you know, buyer beware. I feel like with an art style like this show has, it has to be on purpose. Having that that cognitive dissonance yeah. between what you're seeing and what you're feeling, I'm sure it is. Like, and that's another great thing about the show. I'm just turning my worst and my best again. A great thing about the show is very little about the show is on accident. I would venture to say that nothing is on accident here. Okay. the 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 writing is is very purposeful. Um. So I'm. I'm I'm excited to hear if you do watch the whole thing. I want to hear your complete thoughts later on. 
Um, and definitely for anybody still listening, like if you've heard all of these spoilers and you're still like, yeah, this sounds really good. Like you are going to love this show. Well, there we go. There we go. All right. Uh, that was us talking about dragon pilot. Let's move on into the next part of the show. We're going to bring in my partner, Lauren, if she's ready, she's been here working away. She's working on a spreadsheet of some kind. Uh, while she gets situated, I have a listener email that I'm going to read. This is from listener Simi. Uh, oh, where'd it go? Listener Simi. Simi says, hey, uh, Yug. I was randomly thinking about Yu-Gi-Oh, as we all do from time to time, and I realized a fun way you could continue doing brackets, but not just repeat something you've already done. You two, and I think they mean Jimmy, you and I, each bring a monster no, to the bracket. Pepper. <laughs> Pepper and I. Uh, you two each bring a monster to the bracket every episode, and Lauren secretly decides on a task or scenario. Then each week, you both reveal what monster you have chosen and why. Lauren tells you the task, and you each take turns advocating for why your monster would do that task the best. Then Lauren determines a winner based only on your arguments, and they advance. I like two things about this. Mm -hmm. I, one, I like deciding secret tasks, and two, I like being the judge of things <laughs> <laughs> okay okay good uh they they continue another idea would be to create mock tinder profiles for various monsters and have lauren swipe on them lauren have you ever swiped on tinder this is embarrassing i i wouldn't even know where to start with i don't even know which way is good and bad on tinder tyler and i met so long ago that tinder wasn't even invented yet I think Tinder so, had just come out when we met. No, I looked it no? up. No, it hadn't yet. It was like two months off. Wow. <laughs> Something like that. We're so old. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't even know which way is good and bad on Tinder. Well, so anyway, so Simi continues. Uh, they say maybe you could do it as some sort of pseudo deck building, which I think might be interesting. Uh, the only thing you absolutely cannot do is use Yu-Gi-Oh cards for tarot readings because I'm working on a podcast where I use Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, and MTG or Final Fantasy decks to do tarot readings about the past, present, and future, respectively. Nice. It will be called the Tarot-Bull, B-U-L-L, podcast, Tarot-Bull. Uh, Simi, hey. I am going to plug the hell out of this show. Let us know when you start posting it. This sounds great. Uh, they say it, it would be called Terrible Podcast and it is mine and you cannot have it. <laughs> Hopefully the lighthearted and jovial tone translated there. Anyway, I am stoked for you guys to get to season three because, okay, I don't want to spoil it, but I can sum it up in three words. Kaiba never learns. <laughs> it's simultaneously my favorite and least favorite season of Yu-Gi-Oh. There are just some fun duels and interesting new cards. It's just so, so Yu-Gi. But keep on keeping on because y'all are awesome. I'm always jealous that you got to this idea just before me. Literally thought to do this with my brother and that's how I found you on your like third episode. Sincerely, Simi. Simi, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You can still make a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. I won't tell anybody. Yeah, so like, okay. this, this one isn't even good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone, anyone wants to make a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast, please make a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast, and we will plug your Yu-Gi-Oh podcast on our Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. I, tra I trademarked the concept of Yu-Gi-Oh podcasts. Damn it. Damn it, Jimmy. Uh, thank you, Simi, for your email. If you want to email us, that's youactivatedmypodcast.gmail.com. Uh, Lauren. That's me. You feel good about that, that Taskmaster I idea. I do. I, I really like, that, like that. Let's do that. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, when, when we get into season three, I'll put together a bracket of all the monsters in season three. And then Jimmy, you and I can pick the monsters that we want. Is it stuff like, like who would, who would vacuum the house best? Yeah. Like, um, who, yeah. Like what are some tasks? What so, are some example tasks? So Jimmy, you, you turned us on to the Taskmaster show, the great yes. Davies Taskmaster oh, game I'm, show. I'm so oh, glad that you like are ta- watching like more that. of it. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, all right. So things like um, take a birthday cake and make it disappear. Or like... Yeah, okay. Here's five thumbtacks, right. six bananas. Make them disappear. And make them into a Picasso. <laughs> uh, knock down as many rubber ducks as you can right. within 12 right. seconds. Without or like touching them. Okay. So I think I think Jimmy, this will be a little bit of setup on our part where we got to make the bracket and then do like a draft. That does like sound like you and a I very have good... to build a team, and it will be nearly no effort on my part, and I will have all the power. <laughs> yes. Is that? <laughs> yeah, I like that... it. Okay, cool. Simi, we're gonna try it out. <laughs> uh, before that, though, let's get to. I guess the final part of the episode, uh, every week on the show, we bring Lauren on for a little segment that I like to call Yugi or not, but this week we're calling it Dragonor fighter jet <laughs> fighter plane. I suppose Dragonor <laughs> fighter plane, Lauren, uh, not all jets. What did you yes. think of this Vor show? I, I think I, I overheard Tyler talking it, talking about it a little bit. Um, I didn't like it. I, <laughs> it's not for me. <laughs> it's it. The first episode I feel like doesn't get into what I really liked about the show. Yeah. But I also don't want to like force anybody to try and like, I, like I don't want to do that fucking final fantasy shit where it's like, yeah, just stick through the first 200 hours and then it's great. <laughs> it's so here's the thing that I'm going to probably get hate for and nobody needs to really know about me is that I don't as sort of as a rule, I don't really like animated shows they're really hard for me to follow. I don't know if it's because it's too fast or I I don't know. I'm just not a big fan. Like I don't like the Simpsons. I don't like Futurama. I don't like Avatar, the last airbender. I don't like Yu-Gi-Oh. Like (laughs) just sort of as a rule, I'm not going to like it. If it's animated, it's, I don't know why it's It's hard for me. Well, it's a different pace of show, I think. And it's not to say that you don't like anything animated, like the studio Ghibli movies. I like studio Ghibli movies. So it's just like sort of I don't it's hard for me to say if I don't like it because it's a bad show or if I don't like it because my brain is broken and doesn't like <laughs> to look at cartoons. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that means your brain is broken. I think, no. it's, I think it's acceptable for you to not like this show like this. <laughs> this is, as I said, it's not going to be my a show opinion for is not like it's I don't know. Don't don't take it as a reason to watch or not watch the show. That's okay. all I'm trying to say. That's fair. That's fair. Thank you for being honest. I told you when you showed it to me, I was like, I'm probably not going to like this. And oh, yeah. Like, that's fine. <laughs> we, we knew going in that it was probably not going to be a hit. And that's okay. Yeah. Uh, this week, however, because it is a show about dragons that are disguised as planes, I've devised a list of six things that are either dragons from fiction uh, or, or uh, uh, folklore mm. or fighter planes. I did go through a dragon phase as a kid that does not surprise me where i was like oh yeah i'm gonna read everything about dragons did you read dragon riders of pern i don't think so i may have i did 
got real Fantastic. horny for some dragons. I was so horny for dragons. I read the first one oh. last year, and I'm like, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you read it. You read it on my recommendation. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> did you ever read that really delightful series? I can't remember what it was called. My sister and I were really into them about like a princess and she runs away and becomes the dragon's like librarian, basically, or archivist. And then it just like lives with the dragon and everyone's happy. <laughs> it's that so sounds nice. like something you'd be interested in, but no, I don't. It's think very I have. pleasant. <laughs> I read. I have to look it up again. I remember really liking Jeremy Thatcher Dragon Hatcher by Bruce Coville. Oh, that's cool. Is that like uh, is that like that Sega game? Is it like Billy Hatcher? <laughs> no, it's about a, a a boy who finds like a mysterious uh, old shop full of trinkets, and he finds like. A dragon egg and then he goes back and the shop isn't there and now he's he's been chosen by the dragon to like hatch it and then return it from to its uh its home plane of existence this sounds really familiar that sounds really good yeah it was very fun and he was like a, like a normal kid so he has to like keep it secret in his backpack at school and shit it's a little bit like those books with the shiny covers i can't remember one of them's blue and one of them's red and one of them's gold pokemon no <laughs> stop do you know what I mean? And they have the weird names. Oh, Aragon? Yeah, but like that. Isn't well, that, doesn't he like hatch a dragon egg in that one? Yes, but yeah. that's like a fantasy world. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That Aragon is an interesting one for me because it was written by like a seventeen-year-old homeschooled kid. Yeah. And it came out when I was like a fifteen-year-old homeschooled kid, <laughs> and so it was one of those that like. My mom and all of my mom's friends were like, ooh, you could write a novel just like Christopher Paolini or whatever the fuck his name is. No, that's his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got it right. And, and I was like, yeah, but I don't like this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I thought they were all right. I thought, it was, I thought it was fine. I think part of it was, was that weird peer pressure because like, I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter. So they went like extra hard <laughs> recommending this book to me. On other forms And you know that thing when like, What's that? On other forms of media. Well, on on I think this book in particular, where they were like, "Look, here's a fantasy book written by somebody just like you." <laughs> you look can at, do look it at too. What, yeah, you know, and you know, there's that thing where like everybody really wants you to like a thing, so your reaction is mm-hmm. to not like that thing. Mm. I think I read the first book and thought it was all right. I never saw the movie, which was by all accounts a horrible disaster. I saw it in theater opening night. It sucked. <laughs> My friend said that he saw it in theaters, and it's the only movie he's ever wanted his money back on. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, Crystal Skull is mine. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull wanted was... Wanted my money back on that one. I, Crystal Skull was okay for me because uh, I went with eight girls. <laughs> hey. Because uh, this was in high school. <laughs> yeah. And I was the only one who could drive. So, you're like... The, you were the designated uh, we, driver. I was, I was. We borrowed like some girl's mom's minivan, and I drove eight girls to see Crystal Skull. Wow, nice. I'm surprised you were allowed to do that. And then I never dated any of them. Oh, well, sad. Well. I saw uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender movie. I I, saw I haven't for, watched the movie yet. I saw it for free, and I still wanted my money back. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some hours of my life I'm never getting back. Not that time works that way anyway. 
I feel like if I ever get my wisdom teeth removed, that'll be the movie I watch. I want to be under a lot of like Sedatives. drugs. <laughs> yeah, that's a good we one told- because you won't remember a single moment. <laughs> right. Remember what you made me watch when I got my wisdom teeth out? The entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> Director's cut. Nice. Yes. We we had a we had a, a, a we had running... a party. Well, this he... was this was when you and I lived together. Yeah. yeah. We 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 had the running like bad movie nights, mm-hmm. and then we had a party to have everyone over. Yeah. That just happened to be on the same day that Lauren got her wisdom teeth. And out. Tyler was like, "Well, I think it was the day after." But Tyler was like, "Yeah, you'll be fine." And it was like, and then made like a bunch of really nice food for everyone. And I was like, I can't eat any of this. Oh. And also I don't really believe in painkillers just for like personal reasons. And so I didn't take any of them. And so it was just like, this sucks. I gave you, if I remember correctly, a bag of jumbo marshmallows. Because it was the only thing I could eat. <laughs> so you just sat there for what? 15 hours. <laughs> Just yeah. in horrible pain. <laughs> While everyone else ate like really nice food. I don't remember this. I made lembus bread. You did. Uh, I think you might I do not remember the lembus bread. You might not have been there for the day. And also we hadn't been dating for very long at that point no. either. So I was just like sat on the couch like. With all my friends that you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Swollen face. That's okay. Oh, you the were, follies of youth. You were still cute. <laughs> I remember when uh, so I had this... surgery and then I couldn't watch anything funny because every time I laughed, it felt like I was getting stabbed. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, I may not ever have to have my wisdom teeth taken out, according to my, my dentist. Not everybody does. They're there. They're not doing much. I only had three. Ooh. You only had three taken out? Like you still have one in there? No, or? I only ever had three. I only had three taken out, but I also only ever had three. Hmm. Where'd the fourth one go? It's biting Human its time. Human beings are evolving to not need them. No, there's nothing there. It's just an empty like space. Well, perfect. It never developed. Great. 10 points to Gryffindor. Yeah, people are evolving not to have them anymore. Oh, that's handy. Mm-hmm. Feels like we don't need them. You don't. Nope. Like an appendix. No, I guess you do need You that. do need an appendix. How else will you know what was important about uh, Aragorn and Arwen's relationship? <laughs> this game I have called Dragon or Fighter Pilot. I have oh, yeah. six things that are either <laughs> I'm dragons, here for a reason. dragons from media or folklore uh, or fighter planes from history. Lauren, are you ready to play? Maybe. I did really well with blimps, so we'll see I'm, if I do well. With fighter planes. I'm hoping this will be a similar a similar thing for you. Probably right. won't. Here we go. Number one, fairy fox. That's fairy with an E. Fairy, F-A-I-R-E-Y, fox. Number two, Gloucester Sparrowhawk. I do have to point out that's not the British Gloucester. That is G-L-O-S-T-E-R Sparrowhawk. Number three, Shenron. She- not chevron i lost a bunch of money from them <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> don't g- invest in shenron gotta go down to the store and gas up my dragon <laughs> <laughs> uh number four vermithrax pejorative vermithrax pejorative number five fafnir fafnir f-a-f-n-i-r maybe fafnir i don't know fafnir sounded like you're faffing around uh mm-hmm. and number six parnell pippet p-a-r-n-a-l-l-p 
P-I-P-I-T, Parnal Pippet. Lauren, what are your thoughts? So are these dragons from the show that you just watched or just no. any fictional dragon? Any dragon from fiction or folklore. Okay. I think fairy fox is a plane. Fairy fox? Yeah, I think I've seen something spelled that way in regards to like airplanes or something. Okay. What kind of fighter plane? Like military fighter plane? Yes. Yes. Any kind? No, uh, civilian these fighter are planes. All, <laughs> these are all, if I remember correctly, I put this list together a few days ago, so I'm trying to remember exactly, but these are all, I believe, UK fighter planes. Oh, okay. Any plane I is think... a fighter plane if the pilot has a gun. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually in World War One. That's what pilots did before they invented putting guns on planes. The pilots would just go up there with pistols and pop shots at each other. <laughs> there is wait, really? Yeah, there is an incredible just invented. There is Amazing. an inc- incredible tabletop role playing game called Flying Circus that is about that exactly, and what? it's like, what if you took that to the extreme and you have instead of dragons you have just extra long biplanes that have like 16 gunners <laughs> we need to play this we really need to play this i think vermitra vermithrax pejorative vermithrax pejorative is a dragon okay just just a feeling or yeah okay okay yeah i I also, I don't think you included any Skyrim dragons on here because those I would have gotten immediately. No, I I thought about adding Parthenax, but I did not oh. want to give you just like an instant. That would have been so, yeah, yeah. that would have been immediate. Um, There's got to be some Air Force nerd who named his plane Parthenax. It's fucking awesome. Oh, there must be, I'm sure. I think Fafnir is a dragon because, I don't know, it sounds like some sort of Nordic dragon Okay. situation. I think Parnell Pippet is a plane because, I don't know, it sounds British. Okay. And so then you, I have one left of each. Yes, yeah, so you have Gloucester, Sparrowhawk, and Shenron. This is probably not the right way to reason this but this is just the way that my brain is working so i'm gonna say shen ron is a plane because the other planes i've picked are both two names and i feel like you wouldn't have done that Mm, and then the dragon would be gloucester sparrowhawk okay final answers i guess i don't know all right let's go through it uh you started with fairy fox you said it was a plane Fairy Fox is a plane. Yeah. Uh, Fairy Fox is uh, a UK plane from uh, the 1920s. Uh, fairy was the the brand. Uh, all of the fairy planes were were animals. Oh, so yeah, the that's fly catcher, right. the firefly, the um, whatever. No, never mind. Uh, you said Gloucester Sparrowhawk was a dragon. Gloucester Sparrowhawk is a plane, I'm uh, sorry to say. A very similar thing. Uh, the Gloucester planes were, I think, from World War II. I think II. also you saying it's not the English Gloucester threw me off. Mm. Oh. Because, right, that would that would have been a tell that it was a plane. 
Yeah, that's How fair. Is it spelled G L O S T E R. Yeah. Yeah, it's not spelled like like Gloucester. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I was Sorry. A, a dragon and I was named after a bird, I'd be offended. Like I'm the uh, I'm the yeah. bigger like da- more dangerous creature here. I mean, it, it it definitely could have been like an Ursula K. Le Guin dragon is the thing. Like mm-hmm. she she you know already had the Sparrowhawk mm-hmm. character. Yeah, uh, maybe that was throwing me as well. You said Shenron was a plane. I'm afraid Shenron is a dragon. No. Shenron's the dragon from Dragon Ball, the dragon that you summon oh, with yeah. the balls. Oh, really? Oh. I didn't know that. Uh, yep, that's that's Shenron. I'm just gonna Google that to make sure I didn't fuck that up. Uh, yes, that is Shenron. That's the that's the titular dragon. I should have known that because not because I've watched Dragon Ball, but because enough people in my life have watched it that would make sense for me to know that you know what that's okay osmosis. because you did get vermithrax pejorative correct vermithrax pejorative just sounds like something you'd name a dragon was the it? dragon from dragon slayer the oh. 1981 cinema masterpiece dragon yeah. slayer vermithrax pejorative looks like boss nass breathing fire <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna google what vermithrax pejorative that must like. have been deep in my brain somewhere i i think living I think with me was. may have given you that name by osmosis maybe just well no i think i've seen around. that movie yeah yeah it's a good movie like ages ago like when i was actually a child Dra- 1981 dragon slayer is like my it, it, it sort of exists in my ideal pantheon of movies and maybe that's just like a 1981 thing i don't know uh, you said Fafnir was a dragon. Fafnir Which I got wrong. No, Fafnir was a dragon. Fafnir was a dragon from you're right, absolutely right from Norse mythology. Uh, so uh, let me look it up here just to make sure I'm not getting it wrong. Fafnir uh, is a son of the dwarf king Hridmar and brother of Regan Oder Lingle. I'm not gonna get that character right. Uh, and after being affected by the curse of Anvari's ring and gold, Fafnir became a dragon and was slain by Sigurd. Wow. Yeah. So you got that one right. Uh, and then the final one was the Parnal Pippet, which you said was a plane. You were correct. It was a plane. The Parnal Pippet, another World War II UK fighter plane. Congratulations, Lauren. You got four out of six. Hey, correct. not bad. Not bad at all. For knowing a tiny amount about dragons and nothing at all about fighter planes. <laughs> and now you know slightly more. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> the real gift is knowledge. That's the that's the true prize. Sure. Uh, that'll bring us to the end of this episode. We are really looking forward to getting back to season three of Yu-Gi-Oh! We're going to do one more non-Yu-Gi-Oh! episode because, Jimmy, I promised you that we would watch Zatch Bell. yeah. So next week, we're going to find some episodes of Zatch Bell to watch. I don't have specific episodes yet because I genuinely don't know where it's streaming. Uh, If you want to play along, just go watch Zatch Bell wherever you can find it. Any of it, wherever it exists. Sounds like a Disney Channel original show. It does. It sounds like a... It sounds like an actor from a Disney Channel original <laughs> yeah. show. Hey, My up? name's Zatch Bell, and you're watching the Disney Channel. And then they draw the like fucking yeah. ears. Yeah. <laughs> some kid with like bleach spiked hair. Yeah. <laughs> just a tiny guy fietti <laughs> fietti jr uh zatch bell i want to give the pitch real quick on zatch bell just in case everybody's listening 
if somehow if somebody's gotten this far in a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast and doesn't know what Zatch Bell is, Zatch Bell, Z-A-T-H, Bell, with an exclamation mark, uh, is a Japanese manga series. Uh, Where did it go? Uh, the setting, Momoto are mystical creatures with supernatural powers from the parallel Momoto world. Every 1,000 years, 100 Momoto are transported to Earth to compete for the kingship of their world. Each Momoto set of spells are sealed away in a spell book that requires a human companion to read aloud in order to cast them. Only one human can read that Momoto's book, whereupon he or she becomes its book owner and partner. Spells cast by the Momoto produce various effects. Basically, it's Pokemon, but what if the Pokemon were horrifying ventriloquist dummies? That are doing, like... Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're pl- they're playing Fortnite essentially. It's it's yes. they're doing a uh, a Hunger Games. Yes. Uh, I have seen Zatch Bell somewhere in my distant past, potentially in a past life. It scarred me. Yeah, I only vaguely remember watching one or like part of an episode here and there, and thinking just the animation was just not. It was not good. So we are going to find it look good just from what he has pulled up. We are going to find it wherever it's streaming. We're going to watch as close to episode one as we can. uh, Maybe a few episodes just to get a sense of what the show is. And we're going to talk about it next week. And then in August, we will get back to Yu-Gi-Oh! Season 3. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. In the meantime, if you want to get... If you want to get... I almost said a touch because I couldn't decide <laughs> if I if I wanted to say if you want to get a hold of or if you want to get in touch with. So if you want to get a touch of us, uh, nope. If you want to get... We're not offering that still in the corona times. If you want to get in hold of with us... You have to get within six feet of each other <laughs> for a touch. To contact not us... There yet. Email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a form on our website now, heartofthe.cards. You can click that. That'll do the same thing. Uh, you can go to Twitter. Find us at yampod, Y-A-M-P-O-D. We're technically on Instagram, but I don't think we've posted for a while. I haven't put up Y-A-M-P-O-D. anything in a while. I need to do that. You know, it's, it's, it's fucking, it's summer, baby. It's coronavirus summer. There's no rules. <laughs> Uh, but go follow us all those places. And if you are into horses, I have bad news for you. We make a horse <laughs> podcast uh, where we talk about famous horses from history. It's called The Lore Horse. You can find it at lore.horse, a real website that I own. Uh, and every week we post a 10 to 15 minute episode about a different horse. It's very silly. Uh, the latest episode is TM Opera O, Japan's most winningest horse. Uh, and then a couple of weeks ago, you can listen to Jimmy tell us about America's most losingest horse, Zippy Chippy. <laughs> uh, Lauren also talked about Comanche, which was uh, uh, the the only survivor, quote unquote, only survivor of uh, the Battle of Little Bighorn, and he will outlast us all. Uh, and yeah, we have a bunch of horses lined up, and it's it's all great. But uh, we get very crass about some fucking horses. It's not good. So, we don't know anything about horses. We know l- nothing about horses. It's basically just a show where we pull up a Wikipedia page and read from it. But it's a lot. It's a lot of fun to make. Um, yeah, uh, Jimmy, is there anything else that you wanna you wanna plug? Nope. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's close it off uh, here. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>
I didn't write any down, write down any quotes from this episode, so I'm just gonna say space. <laughs>